Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to an episode of Tech Done Different Podcast with Ted Harrington. Do you follow the pack or challenge the status quo? Join Ted as he explores how to succeed by going against conventional wisdom. You'll hear leaders in technology and security tell stories about how they achieve their success by doing things differently. Knowledge is power. Now, more than ever. CrowdSec, the collaborative and open-source cybersecurity solution. Analyze behaviors, respond to attacks, and share signals across the community for free. Let's make the Internet safer together. Learn more at CrowdSec.net. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Tech Done Different. As always, I'm your host, Ted Harrington. And with me here today is our special guest, Ria Cherovu. She is the AI Ethics Lead Architect at the Intel Corporation. Ria, welcome to the show. Excited to have you. Thank you. Excited to be here. So you and I were chatting the other day about uh, artificial intelligence, and we, we really got grand on this discussion we're having. We started talking about its impact on society and everything. And where I wanted to start our discussion, this is certainly an area of expertise for you, where you spent a lot of your effort and energy, uh, is this question about artificial intelligence. And uh, I, I want to know from your perspective, is, is AI at the forefront of the way that different domains across just human civilization, or however you want to answer that, are interconnected? And, and can you explain that? And then I'd like to dig into whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, absolutely. So my bias as an AI practitioner is that the answer to that question is a solid yes. AI is really at the forefront of all of these critical technology domains that are impacting human societies. Uh, you know, whether it be blockchain, the metaverse, uh, I think, you know, a couple of these new technologies that are coming up that are related to these domains, as well as in general, some of the foundational infrastructures that are woven into our society, like interacting with mobile devices, smart cities, the cloud. I think all of these are continuing to be some great landing zones for AI technology. So we're seeing this really proliferate into um, multiple different areas and in unique types of ways. Uh, you know, you can see different types of uh, AI algorithms and models and the different data points that they consume. And that gives us a vastly different and broad perspective on AI um, and what it means for human civilization. I, I love the idea of starting a question about technology in a show about technology, and we're instantly talking about human civilization. So yes. <laughs> let's, let's, let's dig into that. Uh, so there are certainly enthusiasts of many different domains across tech who, who might argue that that other thing is what is making such a significant impact uh, on society. What is it about artificial intelligence that is so unique or special or societally changing? Right, yes. And I think that this plays to a very interesting dynamic and also some of the hype surrounding the technology. Uh, and, and the way to phrase this, which is probably an incorrect way of approaching it at first, but I want to get it out of the picture first, is that, uh, you know, AI has always been established as something that could potentially mimic uh, the human brain or some of the functionalities that we have when it comes to decision making. Now, is that true today? Definitely not. There's a lot more steps that we need to take in order to make AI algorithms more robust, uh, more smart, and essentially 
and less dumber um, and being able to understand what are the different scenarios that these AI algorithms can work in um, and when are they able to augment uh, you know, human intelligence through paradigms like hybrid intelligence. But I'd say that the reason why AI is really at the forefront is extending from this idea of mimicry and is really targeted around what AI is doing. And what do I mean by this? So AI is a consumer of data, very similar to how humans behave. And I think as this types, uh, if the types of data grow for the inputs that you can provide to AI models, um, we're also offering a lot more control to these types of algorithms. Uh, today, you know, you may have your voice assistant on your phone being able to make calls or send emails for you. Tomorrow, you might see an AI algorithm being put in control of, you know, a, a small digital IoT environment or a larger one where it may be able to control digital traffic signs or similar types of items. So the consumption of data and then the actuation, I think, are really what are putting AI at the forefront of technology technologies that impact society radically. So you addressed, uh, I think, the unspoken question that maybe many people are having is, is AI going to kill us someday, right? Are the, are the, okay. are the robots coming for us? And I think I heard you say no, or at least not anytime soon. Yes, I love answering this question because it just leads to a bunch of different interesting perspectives. So my personal opinion on this is that, uh, you know, two pronged. The first is, yes, I think AI is not anywhere near um, having the issues that are depicted in science fiction. You know, we've got AI overlords that are taking over countries um, that are, you know, essentially having completely different values compared to humanity. And one vague command from an innocent human being is leading to destruction. Now, having said that the flip side of the coin is that there is a much more dangerous application of AI that is already, um, you know, having these current underpinnings and is moving forward. And that is the humans driving the AI technology and the value alignment there. So now we're seeing that, you know, different AI systems can be used to ally with particular governments or particular philosophies, and then amplify those types of perspectives or the destruction that could be caused um, associatedly. Um, now, there are benefits to the solution. But what I'm trying to say here is um, it's a very careful balance. And AI overlords are um, a farther reality than human overlords that are being able to leverage AI systems and kind of amplify the types of things that they want to see in society. Hmm. Is what you're talking about, does that include the issue that many people talk about where uh, bias or even racism that is inherently human is now it is now being essentially built into the way that these AI algorithms work? Yes, exactly. Issue? Yeah, definitely. I think it, it all kind of lops in into this category. Problems regarding, you know, not being able to understand what's going on within state-of-the-art AI models. Transparency is a very big issue in this space. Fairness, where you're seeing unfair outcomes towards marginalized populations, and this being really exasperated by different AI technologies. Um, and you might also have other concerns regarding environmental impact of AI systems, or going back to kind of this robustness type of concept where, you know, your AI model might be performing horribly, you know, because you haven't gathered enough data. And now you need to go back and invest more money in order to make it more performant. And, you know, the questions that you start to ask here is, when do you draw the line? And when are you relying too much on AI technology compared to, you know, having a human going ahead and doing the work instead? So it, it's very interesting balance, you know, hybrid intelligence, human-centered AI, uh, ethical and responsible AI, all of these different domains are kind of being brought into the argument here, along with philosophy and psychology. 
So if these inherently problematic traits of human beings are now being infused into these algorithms, such as, you know, bias we have towards people, other nations, other sexual orientations, other genders, whatever. Uh, if these biases are inherently human and we aren't really able to solve them societally to begin with, how do we solve it in this emerging technology so that we're not just replicating the ugly parts of the human condition? Yes. And I think the perfect solution or the ideal solution towards this is, of course, to have a combination of societal related recommendations, guidelines and regulations to get this going, as well as the technological solutions. Um, so there's been a very interesting concept that's been proposed now called techno solutionism and many others surrounding it that are saying, you know, this perspective that toolkits are enough is not enough or sufficient, and it can be a dangerous way of looking at things. Now, having said that, when you look at it from a technology provider point of view, the first step that I believe, in my personal opinion, that we can take is what are the technologies or mechanisms that could potentially help support the analysis um, and uh, essentially you know, looking more deeply at the consequences of this systems. And you know, coming out of that, the next step really is how do I get to better documentation or transparency of AI systems? I personally prioritize explainability for this reason, because if I could have this type of a manual associated with an AI model that will tell me about its failure modes um, and the practitioners behind it have done a pretty detailed analysis. So now I'm able to understand what are the shortcomings of the model, then societally and you know from a regulatory perspective, I might be more prepared in order to address these specific issues. And I think that is one of the next steps that we can take, really starting from the transparency point of view. Um, more research and development is always a good thing, but we need to kind of align it with some of these values related to ethics, um, which is an emerging trend in the industry and for a very important reason. Are ethics a universally understood concept? Yeah, I think definitely to a certain extent and now we're getting into philosophical territory so yeah, we sure are <laughs> yeah uh and i think there are some very interesting definitions of value alignment and morality if we look at how these are shared across you know uh humans and ai and i love the uh, opportunities that I get to say humans so many times in these conversations yeah. when typically, you know, we, we would kind of, uh, you know, we, we would segment ourselves further. But I think, you know, as a species, as a whole or a civilization, I think it's just very interesting to see how this dynamic plays out. But I think there are always some common tenets of morality um, or essentially some principles that we might all follow um, that we expect AI systems to follow as well. Um, and again, it starts to get very blurry if you bring in things like kindness and you know the trolley problem, which is incredibly, I think, you know, very prevalent in the space. It's mentioned almost all the time in AI courses when it comes to moral dilemmas. Um, but oftentimes situations can get even more complicated than that. Uh, but yes, I am a firm believer that we do have across all societies, different religions and similar, um, some core principles of morality that we can embed as part of AI systems. And the challenge here is getting to align on those. Mm. So for anyone listening or watching this who isn't familiar with the trolley problem, could you explain it in brief? 
Yeah, so I think there are uh, multiple variations of it, but um, the ethical dilemma that I'm most familiar with um, is essentially, you know, you've got uh, two train tracks and a controller on the side and you've got a train that's, you know, um, in the way and you're kind of essentially the one who can uh, control, you know, which track is the train going to be switched to? Should it continue on its original trajectory or switch over to the other track? And you've got, you know, uh, four people or a group of people on one track and then you've got one person that um, you know you're connected to or you know personally on another um, and so the question is you know how would you switch uh, you know what track did, would you switch the train's trajectory to and then there are multiple variations of the problem you know you could replace this person that you're connected to with you know a pet um, you know or an animal that you're not aware of and then the question is you know would you value the life of an animal over a human or the life of someone you know over someone you don't um, or the life of one over the majority so multiple different questions that are coming out of that but i think as a society we can all agree that we would rather not be in that problem in the first place so right. there right. are definitely a couple of approaches or even just mindsets that we have that i think can be collectively shared um, and if they can't be that's a societal problem but from a technology perspective at least we can help get there with some honest analyses of the technology mm. You know, we've been talking about this from the perspective of how do we make sure that we're, uh, it, it's almost like human to machine is what we're talking about. How do we make sure that um, as we are creating machines, we don't create them in a bad way. But maybe there is something to be said for the reverse happening too, which is to say, because we are trying to think about how do we make good machines, it forces us to think about the human condition differently too, right? Because most people in there, except for ethicists and philosophers probably don't think about that trolley problem ever and but now if you're working on ai and it comes up anyone listening to this episode is probably like well what would i do in that situation and that's a good thing right having to ask those questions yeah definitely because i think um it, the influence that ai research has on our understanding can be limited in certain domains, but it can also be kind of enlightening in others. And the reason why I say this is that when you're narrowing yourself kind of down into the inner workings of computer science or in general AI systems, it is very easy to get stuck in the weeds there um, and essentially have trouble coming out. And I think I have a problem with a couple of responsible, I'm sorry, uh, reinforcement learning approaches. I definitely don't have problems with responsible AI. <laughs> I work yeah. in this space, but um, with reinforcement learning approaches, um, um, for that reason. And what I mean by this is, you know, um, there are some excellent research domains within reinforcement learning in order to get AI models um, to learn from their environment and get rewarded based on their actions. But now, um, you know, there are some reward functions that are defined as part of that, like, you know, curiosity-based learning, um, you know, where, you know, you're kind of promoting the model or giving it more rewards for being able to interact with this environment and explore areas that it hasn't seen before. And now all of these different terminologies and concepts have come into play, you know, exploration, exploitation trade-off, like curiosity-driven, uh, you know, reward and reinforcement learning. But it's very easy to get into those and start optimizing the individual hyperparameters without thinking about how that reflects back on the way that we learn. Um, so all of this is to say that there can be a disconnect, especially between, you know, some of these psychology domains and then the way that learning is implemented in AI systems. If we take a step back and look at it holistically, I think there are many connections to be made. And that's where the insight really comes in, in terms of, okay, I'm, I'm designing this really specific RL algorithm. 
that works for this particular domain that learns like just like this, just like a human. But you know, what are the exact corollaries that I'm making here? And um, what are the tricks that I'm putting into an AI system that a human doesn't have? And what are the implications of that? Hmm. So would you consider yourself a technologist or an ethicist? Uh, definitely a technologist. And I would not claim to, again, I think, you know, it does rely a lot on formal training and being able to have a keen eye to align on these different values. So um, as a technologist, though, I think I find myself as an advocate of the work that ethicists are doing and being able to, again, kind of support that, make sure that it is prioritized in most cases over the technology uh, is one of the objectives that I've had. Um, and I've heard a lot um, by many different people in different spaces as, you know, I was going about ethical AI technology work that, you know, just because you can do it doesn't mean you shouldn't. Um, and I think it's, it's a voice that is a concern shared by many. Um, and the first step to that is looking at the ethical related implications. Then we get to, you know, legality um, and, you know, regulations, and then we're getting to the technology. And this is my personal view on the progression. Some may say, you know, okay, it starts from with regulation, then it gets to ethics, and then it gets to technology. But, you know, I think starting with those core set of values and then moving down the stack makes a lot more sense. It reminds me of Jurassic Park. You know, yeah. Jeff Goldblum's character, he, he brings up, he's like, how did he phrase it? It was something like, we never, when we figured out that we could, we never stopped to ask if we should. Yeah. He's talking about, you know, replicating dinosaurs or whatever. So that's sort of what you're saying along those lines, that that question needs to be asked. Should we do it? Precisely. Yes. And I think lots of awesome new AI concepts that are out there that have many more issues. If we're on the topic of AI overlords, like deep fakes are a realistic issue today where, you know, you don't, you can't really trust the content that you're seeing. Um, and what I've been looking into is like hypothetical scenarios as well as the reverse. So, you know, today we ask ourselves, can we trust AI systems? Um, do they meet certain criteria? Are they explainable? Are they fair enough for us to use them in our daily lives? Um, and then we're starting to get to a point in the security domain where we ask the reverse and the AI system and its associated processes are now supposed to ask, can I trust this human that's approaching me who I don't know is a malicious user or, you know, a, an innocent user and what they're going to do with the system. So um, many interesting dynamics. Deep fakes is an example of, you know, can we trust AI or not? And I think security issues are an example of how, you know, can we trust humans or not? And each of them have to earn their own trust in this type of uh, paradigm. Well, this is definitely the paranoid security guy in me saying this, but I, you should not trust the human. I can solve that problem for you right there. Make them earn it. Just like, like you said, you know, we have to assume hostility first and then trust is earned. So for the people who are listening to all the insights that you're sharing right now, and they are themselves either directly building something or they're responsible for team building something, or they're working with a partner, a vendor, whatever, who's building something for them. What should they do with this information? Yeah, I think the practical implementation or just translating what I mentioned and everything that is described as part of the domain and then putting it into practice can be extremely challenging. Um, and it is uh, easy to say, very, very hard to implement because you need to identify what is right for you. Um, and, you know, a lot of these challenges will start to come in when you think about what even is AI? Uh, because today when uh, we talk about artificial intelligence, we're most likely meeting these state-of-the-art neural network or deep learning models that are, you know, 
taking in a lot of compute. They need a lot of data to make these predictions. But now we're starting to see, and I think academia has been a wonderful uh, driver of this, um, you know, these new approaches that are being uh, introduced and adopted by industry that are coming under these machine learning and data science domains. And some of them have been there since a long time. Um, you can think back to, you know, your very basic linear and logistic regression models, support vector machines, um, some of these very early on models, um, you know, I'm not too sure about the timelines here, but essentially almost equivalent to like the creation of the early uh, deep learning types of models with multi-layer perceptrons. And now these earlier versions um, are considered to be more interpretable. Sure, they're not as performant as the state of the art, but um, they definitely make more sense. Um, they may be easier to implement. They may require um, less compute. So, you know, it, it, considering all of this and then how do you map ethics into it, I think it can be definitely challenging. The one recommendation I would have is um, to essentially create like a benchmarking template. And uh, this is what I like to do personally as well. Um, it's kind of like a, a technological readiness evaluator where for each of these AI ethics related points or items um, or any of these problems in the space, you're able to kind of identify and pull them down and see, you know, is this really relevant for the models and the use case I'm considering and go through each of them. Um, and you need to customize that accordingly. Gotcha. Okay. So help me paint some hypotheticals. We're going to pull out our crystal ball right now. Okay. Uh, I want to ask about a good one and a bad one. So let's say 10 years from now, the, the tr current trajectory that the field of artificial intelligence is on continues on the same trajectory. Um, 10 years from now, what is a great, beautiful thing that's going to happen because of the work that's being done today? And if it continues over the next 10 years, like how will the world be different because of artificial intelligence? This is an interesting question. I think uh, I am very optimistic that um, the responsible AI technologists and ethicists and um, the legal folks who are driving this are going to get the technology to a point where we can trust it. So for me, an ideal feature, uh, future and like a feature for AI systems 10 years from now is being trustworthy and ethical. Um, you know, you're able to interface with technologies with almost no concern. Um, you know, of course, I, I understand that, you know, it's too optimistic to concern to consider that there might be no concerns with using AI technology, but you're able to interface with the technology, you're able to stream your private data, um, and it's able to help you with multiple tasks, whether it be, you know, your healthcare analysis, um, or, you know, smart cities, self-driving cars, um, or, you know, even smart shopping, you're able to do it and use AI models in order to help the way that you um, live, improving quality of life. Uh, so that's an ideal outcome. Yeah, that's that's a great one. I mean, that bumper sticker right there, AI improves outcomes, improves quality of life. I love that. What, so let's ask the question in the reverse now or the opposite, I guess, of what we're, what I was just asked. So 10 years from now, what is a bad thing that would happen if the ethicists and people like you are not able to keep this on the right track? Right. Well, I think uh, two outcomes could really come out of this. And the first is something that is already prevalent today, and that is shutting down the technology. And I think I am definitely for this approach, because if you can't get the, uh, you know, an AI system to behave in a way that is expected and does not meet some of these criteria, um, although it can be disheartening for multiple technology providers who invested a lot into the solutions development and its deployment, the best solution is to shut it down if it has a very adverse impact society. Um, and it is enabling all sorts of um, bad and unethical use cases. Um, but I think if it kind of goes on further, 
there is a flip side to that ideal scenario that I described that I think will rise, you know, a new wave of concerns. And that is really something that I like to call unconventional design considerations, where, um, you know, I, I previously mentioned as part of security, where, you know, you have problems with trusting users and similar. I think that that paradigm is going to come into play like five to 10 years from now, most likely long-term, where now you're kind of stuck with a zero trust architecture for your AI system. And, you know, you've designed it in a way that, okay, you know, I'm going to give autonomy to my users, but I'm also not going to trust them. And now you have these users that are trying to trick the AI model to get the outcomes that they want. So now people are more educated about AI. They're they have the transparency related documents and items, and you have this new wave of usage of AI that you can't tell is deception or is real. Um, and I like to assign this for 10 years from now, but if it comes even sooner, um, it might, and we definitely need to be prepared for it. Love it. So we've been talking almost exclusively about the ethical side of this, of this topic area. What about the scientific side? What are the things that we should be talking about when it comes to artificial intelligence as a matter of science? Yes, and I think here, uh, one of the, well, there are a couple of emerging trends in this space. I think um, cognitive computing is definitely one of them where we are kind of considering how we can improve these AI algorithms in a way that may, again, um, be inspired from biomimicry or just for optimization purposes. So if I've I'm sorry, if I'm uh, looking at it from a pure uh, CS perspective, what I might start to look at is knowledge graphs or um, optimized data storages for machine learning models and AI models in order to get them to be better performant. From a science perspective, I'm starting to look at how I can translate some of this domain expertise into machine learning models. Um, and now I think there's a lot of focus being placed on probabilistic models and causality um, and other areas of research where you're able to start to incorporate uh, domain expertise or knowledge uh, coming in from some of these domains like healthcare um, into your machine learning model and then use it accordingly. Some of these are very early stage, but what I predict is that there's gonna be a very interesting intersection between using science to create better AI models and then AI models being used to create and provide um, better scientific outcomes for different domains. Mm -hmm. That's really fascinating. So for the people who are maybe more interested in this um, the scientific side of this discussion, what should they do? What should they go back to their organizations with? And how do we make sure that the science continues to um, continue its beautiful trajectory to that you know, outcome of improving lives we talked about 10 years from now? Yeah, I think uh, one of the best outcomes, uh, I think it just gets back to education, uh, being able to understand what exactly is going on within your domain. And I think all scientists and practitioners of AI technology for both use cases I mentioned, whether, you know, you are looking at it from, you know, scientific improvements towards AI algorithms, or AI being applied for some of these scientific domains, um, all of us go through a review of what is the current state of the art and how we can improve. And I think kind of nestling in these concerns there, being able to identify the exact improvements of AI models based off of what you have currently is key. And that goes back to, you know, this uh, technological readiness or technical readiness benchmark that I'm mentioning where when you're creating a AI system or you have a scientific application and you want to bring AI in, if you can start to identify where are the points that, you know, might be problematic for myself 
as a developer or you know a, a practitioner as a user um, as a customer as a regulator and then start to weave in the technical components that are necessary uh, this is the best way to proceed um, and i think some listeners of this audience may be familiar with some of these technologies that are starting to come out there like you know um, data processing and storage as i mentioned with knowledge graphs monitoring and auditability related technologies um, as well as versioning these types of things that can help you with your workflows as well as your users and the people who will interact with the technology. I love it. Well, as our time comes to a close here, what have I not asked you that I should have asked that we should have talked about in the context of this particular topic? I think we covered a lot of topics here around, you know, the science, practical implementation of AI systems and the ethics. And I shared my personal opinion on, you know, some items that, you know, I, I'm hypothesizing. Um, but yeah, I, I think maybe one of the unanswered questions of the domain in total is, um, you know, artificial intelligence and the metaverse. It's now a, a big thing because we even we talked about um, overlord related situations as well. Um, so maybe I think a quick point from my perspective on some of these emerging technologies like blockchain, AI, um, Bitcoin and the metaverse. Um, I definitely think that as the hype for AI may start to fade, we're starting to understand the shortcomings of this technology. Um, it is absolutely critical to co continue the evaluation of these models in relation to some of these new trends. Um, you know, I think eventually we might start to see blockchain marketplaces for AI models where you can, you know, kind of sell different types of configurations or hyperparameters. Um, and of course, the risks associated with AI will continue to grow and proliferate through these use cases. Um, so having a critical thinking perspective and a keen eye towards this um, is really important. Um, so, you know, that's maybe our way forward when we start to look at some of these new fields and how AI relates back to them, as well as older domains from which, you know, psychology, philosophy, and all of these things that we, from the sciences that we talked about would start to come in. I love it. There is a sign on the wall behind you. It yes. says, never stop learning. And my brain is overflowing with ideas for me right now. So thank you so much for all the ideas and insights that you shared. Uh, it's It's been amazing. Thanks for being on the show, Ria. Thank you. It was awesome to be here. Thank you, Ted. For everybody listening, if you want to learn more about what Ria is up to or to request to appear on the podcast yourself, just go to tedharrington.com backslash podcast. And we'll catch you next time. CrowdSec, the collaborative and open source cybersecurity solution. Analyze behaviors, respond to attacks, and share signals across the community for free. Let's make the internet safer together. Learn more at CrowdSec.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tech Done Different Podcast with Ted Harrington. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then share ITSPmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.